Movies and Booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Yes, indeed, it is time for uh, Movies and Booze. We are joined by Esther McCarthy, Fanola Jones, and Linda Coogan. Good afternoon to you all. Good afternoon. Hi, Sean. Uh, there you are. Yeah, I was uh, uh, good when everybody can hear me uh, and everything. Uh, so uh, I'll start with you, Esther, because like it's, uh, has there been a bigger cinematic event uh, this year? Is there likely to be uh, than Blackbird? No, no, I don't think so. And no. it's absolutely magnificent. It yes. is so good, bad. It is such a treat. I really, really enjoyed it. No, yeah, actually, I read a, I read um I read an article and it was on The Hollywood Reporter about this and they interviewed some guy who was like a big fan of, you know, The Room, uh, uh, that, you know, the, the, the best terrible movie ever. And there was a, there's a stringent set of criteria for to get into that category. Uh, um, so it's, it's, it's not an easy feat, uh, uh, as I understand it. No, it's not. And I think it has to be, unfortunately for, for Flatley and, and all involved, it has to be just this lack of knowledge um, or awareness that the film you think you're making is not the film that you're making. Yes. And that is, um, I think, the joy of the viewing experience of that then. And I'm not trying to be mean when I say it's so bad. Like, and if he if he could embrace <laughs> that, if he could embrace that and get over that filmmaking disappointment. And it's not unique to Michael Fatley. Let's be fair. It happens mm-hmm. all the time. Um, if he can embrace it, I want the sequel because I need to know what happens to Victor yeah. and the secret formula and whose hands it ends up in. I oh, am is it, le- it is it left open? Uh, kind of, I don't know, we'll do the review in a while, but is it left kind of open at the end that there might be a sequel? I just think there's potential to bring Victor to new places. Right, okay. Because as I understand, at the press screening, there was actual uproarious laughter going on. Yes, there was, yeah. <laughs> I I didn't... I couldn't make the press screening on Wednesday. I had interviews, but I went to see it this morning and I was chuckling to myself um, <laughs> at a morning screening that was pretty quiet, actually. Um, that would, wouldn't be unusual for an opening Friday uh, for a morning screening. But I, I was just there going, imagine how funny this would be after a few glasses of wine. Mm-hmm. I just think right. it really has the makings of <laughs> we'll a, a cult classic. <laughs> Did, uh, were, there, were there any sections in the movie that were actually intended to be funny, uh, funny as far as you could tell? That's the fascination with it. <laughs> I was actually, like there were some elements of plot line and stuff. I was going, no, you can't, they can't have missed that. Like, I'll, I'll go into that later. But, okay, um, right. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't think it knows how funny it is, but I think it's there to be embraced if if if, if, if only. Um, Michael Fadley yeah. could embrace it. Well, I, I mean, mean, he can, he as producer, he can talk to the director and, and uh, the lead star and see how they all collectively feel about that. Uh, I suppose yeah. about it being funny. Uh, now, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, an evil Hugh Bonneville in I Came By. Actually, that sounds like a very intriguing prospect. Yeah, this is an interesting one. It's the first, first of all, it's the first um, major production out of Netflix's new British and Irish um, arm, which was established in the last couple of years. And we'll also include a film that was made here by Element Pictures um, later in the autumn called The Wonder, 
Uh, it's a period thriller starring Florence Pugh. Uh, so we've got that coming up as well. And, there, you know, you can see Lindsay Lohan as a movie here. Um, they've got the Obama series filming in West Cork. I think you're going to see a lot more production activity from Netflix in this part of the world in the next few years. Um, and this is, yeah, who doesn't want you, Bonneville from Downton, playing a kind of mad, evil psycho? Uh, yeah. I'm up for that. And yeah, uh, no, a nice piece of that sounds, reverse casting. You, you know? said the Obama series in, in is like, you know, uh, Barack and Jackie Healy Ray go for points. Uh, or go <laughs> lobster fishing. Uh, I'd pay it's, cash money to see that. That would be It's great. actually kind of promising. It's, it's the first uh, Bodkin. The name was escaping me there. It's called Bodkin. It's uh, executive produced by the Obamas under their production right. company for okay. Netflix. And um, it has a, it's a nice prospect. It's a comedy. It's set in Ireland and it's about a bunch of po- podcasters who arrive in this Irish town to try and solve a few appearances. Uh, so I think there's potential for a bit of parody there. It's yeah, kind of isn't that the plot premise. of Only Murders in the Building? I suppose it is, yeah. Yes, except just in West Cork, uh, uh, from their nice apartment in West Cork. Uh, Linda, you brought in food as well as wine. I did indeed. Yeah, You're very welcome and it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) No, it does look amazing. Between us, (laughs) I'm abandoned over here looking, lowering after the meat. Where where you were just sitting had like the hottest chilli on earth uh, um, (laughs) on it like not too long ago. This will cool you down. Uh, (laughs) Hospital probably is the only thing that will cool you down. So what two wines are we talking about today, uh, Linda? Last of the summer wines and yeah. not just because they're summer styles but, um, you know, they're they're light, fresh, easy drinking and wines you can drink all year round but uh, particularly popular during the summer months. Uh, the red you can chill and the white is just a really easy crowd-pleasing style. Pickpool and Mencia are the grapes so not everyday grapes you'll hear about but something a little bit different. And the Mencia I think needs a little bit of charcuterie, beautiful ham from Iberico. Yeah, that so, is actually delicious I know, it's really ham. amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. So, uh, Fanula Jones, well-known podcaster now, <laughs> sir, uh, solving murders in, in West Cork uh, uh, all the time. What's the name of your podcast? It's Flop Culture. So it's all about our favourite flops. So like movies that did really badly. Someone's going, Esther, you're going to have to come on and do an episode on Blackbird, I yeah. think, judging by. <laughs> I know my, you haven't said the review yet, but that's the idea that my, I'm getting. Uh, I am there for success. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's all about like, you know, kind of pop culture failures that people love. So someone came on and did a Bond movie movie on Her Majesty's Secret Service which I'd never watched we got into that the first episode was about Khalees who is an artist who is very successful in her own right but kind of never met the scales of other pop artists so we dug into that a bit it's been a lot of fun okay that doesn't sound flop that sounds more like mediocre that's what really? I mean. It's kind yeah, of not man, that some great. of them are some yeah. of them are and then some of them are absolute. Someone did the Lindsay Lohan movie I Know Who Killed Me. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No. That's that's capital flop F capital like just art house movie, but it's it's twins again and I don't want to give away too much, just yeah. if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's an incredible like feat of failure. It's so good. <laughs> She's in Ireland working on another one, it seems. Uh, right, uh, Brendan Gleeson's going to be in the jo- in the second Joker movie. I'm so... The more news that comes out about this, I'm more excited. So he's going to be in the Joker sequel, as you said. It's Joker, Folia Jew, which we already know about. Joaquin Phoenix is obviously the lead. Lady mm. Gaga is, like, his main squeeze. Uh, we don't think she's going to play Harley Quinn. I think that was the big question around her because I think they really want to separate this from the actual DC universe. Like, it isn't really... 
it's just in the name. It's not superhero-esque. It's just, again, like a rip-off of Taxi Driver, whereas this sequel is more going to be musical, like Singing in the Rain, West Side Story. We know very little about the plot. I really want to know who Brendan Gleeson is going to play in all this. I also really want to know if Lady Gaga knows who Brendan Gleeson is. Like, has she ever seen The Guard? (laughs) Has Brendan Gleeson ever listened to Art Pop? Another flop? Um, I'm very excited about this when initially I was kind of a bit tepid. But if two people are going to get me into the cinema to see a Joker sequel, it's Lady Gaga and Brendan Gleeson, to be honest. So. I imagine though she has people who will tell her who, who Brendan Gleeson is. She's going to go with yes. a map and diagrams. Yeah. I'm not going to do the accent. What an Irish she's person be like, looks like. This yeah. is a spot. I loved uh, you in In Bruges. I loved you as Mad Eye Moody, and she will just yeah. it, well, not no I love nothing you upstairs. In the guard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Paddington, don't forget. And Paddington, of I mean, course. Yeah. I feel like she's Paddington. seen Paddington. Lady Gaga has taste, so. Yeah, she probably has, yeah. Now, there's going to be, is this right, there's going to be ads now on Netflix? Or, yes. or, or how, how is I think that we've, working? Yeah, I think we've talked about this before. So basically, they're introducing this ad tier so that it's like, essentially, because the prices have gone up so much, they're basically acknowledging now that there's an audience there who like still want to be on Netflix, still want to watch Netflix, but they can't afford the price that it is now. So they're introducing an ad tier. But what was interesting is that I didn't know this. Disney Plus are also introducing an ad tier. Now, I don't think we're going to get it over this side of the world anytime soon. But Disney Plus are introducing it over there, over in the States, I should say, in December. And Netflix have basically moved their launch to kind of beat them for their ad tier. So I think that's coming November. Um, So it's launching initially in Canada, the UK, France and Germany. Um, and I think for the for the Disney Plus basic package, it's going to be seven ninety nine, and I think Netflix is roughly the same, so it's going to be six ninety nine, seven ninety nine here, um, and it's essentially going to be. They've said it will have an ad load of about four minutes per hour for series, and they'll basically set it. They're going to have like frequency caps. You won't keep seeing like the same ad, or like mm, it'll yeah. it'll be, be able to tell how often you're seeing an ad when you're watching something on Netflix. So with the they're kind of the two biggest ones, I think. Now there's a couple of other streamers catching up, so you'd wonder the rest of them going to follow suit with this ad tier. Right, okay. So that means you, you'd pay less for your Netflix subscription if you go for the ad tier. Essentially, yes. Yeah. I made a very sure, bad who, job at explaining who, that. Who would like, you know, who would go for the more expensive one, really? Well, that's it. But th- there is an audience there for it. I think there are people, especially because it has gone so expensive. And, you know, if you're signing up to Netflix to watch maybe one series or one thing, mm. that's the main criticism that Netflix has found recently is that the content just kind of hasn't been there now, to it keep hasn't people. Been great, yeah. So I would sign up to an ad tier if I just wanted to watch, you know, the new Selling Sunset or Stranger Things or whatever. And I like I'd put up with four minutes of ads, you know what I mean? So, and, but the ads will all be local, presumably, and then there'll be yes. a whole thing about what is done stores you have over there, <laughs> and that kind of stuff. That'd be great. We listen to <laughs> pharmacies in America. Can you imagine? Oh, no. That'd be our, yeah, for guns. I love that. That's yeah. when we buy guns in Ireland in done stores. <laughs> uh, right, so uh, uh, Linda, what's uh, tell us about our first wine today. Um, okay, so a white from the Languedoc region, which is not what you normally would expect. You'd expect some nice, big, red, robust one. So this is a grape called Picpoule de Penne. Have you heard of it? Pick no, pool. no, Pick not at all. Great name though. Yeah. I know, it's Depenny. cool. It just rolls off the yeah. tongue. Pick Pool de Penne. Uh, quite easy drinking style, light, uh, sometimes has a bit of a spritz. This particular one is called Villa de Crux, C-R-O-I-X, mm. Villa de Crux. Um, and Pick Pool de Penne is the grape and it is lovely and fresh and light. It has some citrus notes, some lemon. What do you drink? Yeah, it is citrusy, all right. Yeah, yes, I tried some is. before yeah. we started and it's very delicious. Yeah. Very um, easy it has drinking. a kind of mineral note to it as well. And uh, it's just really, really easy style. Can you imagine drinking that now in the garden? Yeah. Um, 
not that it's, it's raining out at the moment in, yes. in Dublin anyway. I but can uh, still imagine drinking it in the garden. <laughs> yeah. Or in studio. Don't <laughs> um, be a wimp. Come on. <laughs> but it's it's a light, uh, easy style. Like I'm thinking daytime drinking here, you know, oh, you're, yeah. you're Daytime picnic, twelve percent screw cap as well. I see. That's yeah, Bob's your sister. But you know, there's more on the body than you'd expect. It's um, because this particular wine has spent. uh, It was fermented in stainless steel tanks to keep the pure, fresh um, fruit profile. But what they did is they put put it in old oak barrels for four months to give it um, texture and uh, on its leaves and give it more oomph. Um, so this is not your typical one. It's a little bit more exciting than normal ones. Um, but if you want the typical normal pick pool de penne, all you want to do is look in most really good uh, independents and uh, they're popping up now a little bit in, in supermarkets as well. And you usually pay about 13 to 15. This is really? creeping up to 17 because of mm. the texture on the leaves. And I, I, I assume it. it's a relatively rare uh, yeah. for here anyway. Um, well, it's popping up on wine lists over the last while because you've heard of Albarino from mm. Rias Brightus. Yeah. So they're running out of that because I'm recommending it too much, I think. But uh, <laughs> uh, so we've moved to Pickpool now mm. um, as a lighter kind of alternative style. So it's way more going on than a Pinot Grigio. Uh, not as Yeah, it's actually a Pinot Grigio with taste. Mm. Yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. a lot more going on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So again, simple dishes are completely on its own, which are Netflix tiered yeah. Yeah. advertising the, uh, package. And that uh, charcuterie is absolutely it's delicious unreal. as well. well we I'm happy for you. Sorry, I'm really I'm happy, happy for you. My big dirty we'll fingers. It I'm so sorry. I can pass it over. You, you seem reluctant to. Yeah. 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 Okay, oh, if yes. you want to. Oh, yeah, delicious. come on. Since sticks. you became a podcaster, you became very pushy altogether. Right. So, as to we talk about Blackbird after this. Can we just review Blackbird twice today, Sean? Let's do that. Yeah, OK, we are, we are going to take a break. Uh, after that, bless me, Father, I have sinned. I might sin again. I'm not the man I used to be. The Blackbird is dead. You're the only one who can stop this. We've got to come back and fight. When are we going to get past this? I'll never get past this! Just hide from the world. Victor Blackley, I believe you have something in mind. Who I am is none of your concern. And what I do is out of your control. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And I'm about to sin again. Jesus, even the trailer's funny. Uh, right. Uh, uh, okay. I, I I must admit, I've become slightly obsessive reading articles about this, so I kind of know most of the plot now. But uh, uh, tell us about uh, Victor is, um, uh, he's a retired spy. That would be Michael Flatley's character. Yes. We, we see him at a funeral at the start and you're kind of going, why is he burying um, somebody, his his wife in his front garden? And then you remember she Poor old Ivanka Trump happened to a month ago, so let's go with this. Um, and he's, yeah, he's a okay. former member. He's, Victor he's married Black- to Ivanka Trump. Is that what you're telling us? That was. <laughs> he's, you'll be asking a lot of yeah. questions throughout this movie, believe me. He's Victor Blackley. Did you get it, Sean? Blackley, mm-hmm. Blackbird. Yes. An yeah. M- MI6 operative. He decides to quit because the mission, now we learned this in flashback later, um, the mission, a mission he's involved in goes drastically wrong and leads to the death 
of the love of his life. And we know it's a really sad funeral because there's kind of Angela's ashes type rain falling, plummeting um, in the opening scene They're of the, the film. They're the worst, yeah. And uh, so he decides to set up a new life for himself, shuns spying for once and for all and has become the owner of this glitzy place in um, Barbados, uh, a fancy hotel that's become popular with criminal gangs. Thankfully, he didn't call it Rick's Cafe. Uh, he <laughs> called it the Blue Moon. Okay. Um, but in after some years in this business, he's shown reluctantly now, Sean, pulled back into the world of international espionage. That never happens in the movies. That's so <laughs> unique. Because Eric Roberts, who is... Like if Eric Roberts could just embrace Maniacal Baddy and say it like they do in the Muppets movie, he could not be more of a villain here. He is a a former spy. He's part of a secret organisation and we know there is a secret organisation because they all wear the same secret organisation rings on their fingers. (laughs) And um, he has, this is all true, he has access, right, to this secret formula and it's called a secret formula that can enhance the immune systems of people all over the world. Cool. But if you tweak it, it can kill everybody. Okay, that's not good. And have the opposite effect. So you do not want this thing in the wrong hands. I was hoping for a vial of potion or something, but it looks kind of like a mini disc. Okay. And um, that's kind of the idea. So Blackley is kind of urged to get back into the tuxedo and go bond and uh, get the secret formula out of the hands of some very bad people. Right, um, okay. So there's, it's complicated by the fact that the villain of the piece is now going out with an actress named Vivian or a character named Vivian played by Nicole Evans, who's frightfully posh. You know, she's not really happy with him, Sean, even though they're going to get engaged because she asks him, like, should I wear the yellow dress or the red dress tonight? And he says, I'm not really interested. And she looks really sad. Into well, that's the not dis- a great distance. sign, is it? Yeah. So it's not you kind of instinctually know maybe this isn't the right guy for her, you know. And she has previous with Victor. We find out she has previous with Victor. And uh, she is the key, I suppose, to working with Victor and helping him find the secret formula that could enhance or destroy the immune systems of people throughout the world. Um, And there's just this one really funny. You know, when you asked me, was it was it intentionally funny or not? And I said I wasn't quite sure. There's actually Vivian's character is um, uh, she's been with Eric Roberts' villain for five years, right? Mm. She doesn't know anything about the secret organisation where they all wear the same secret organisation rings on their fingers. She knows nothing about the fact that he has access to a secret formula. (laughs) And we find out halfway through that she was a spy. She used to be a spy. (laughs) She was let go because she wasn't really living it up to her, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know how she finds out about the formula? It's in a suitcase in the bed, <laughs> unlocked on the top of a suitcase on the bed. Rookie mistake. Yeah. In the room with the person she's lived with <laughs> for the last five years. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I had so much fun with this in terms of um, plausibility. Uh, it's it's great fun. I mean, you've heard about all the young ones, I think. Probably is more. There's more young ones hanging around in scenes, um, looking pretty than you'd find 
at Leo DiCaprio's girlfriend's 25th <laughs> yeah. birthday party, yeah. really. Um, and, you know, the hats are magnificent. He wears a fedora, a flat cap at one stage, changes from a fedora to a flat cap in the same scene for reasons I will never understand. And um, I need a best supporting hat category at the Oscars. I need a sequel. Um, I have to say, like, I'm not doing this to be willfully cruel. It's, you know, Michael Flatley, the director, actor, producer and star of this film and writer. Um, oh, he wrote it too. He, All right. he wrote it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Dance Lord Productions, his production company produced. And uh, I'm not being cruel when I say like it is so not the film you wanted to make, but I want to see it more. And I hope I hope all involved can embrace it because you know what? The ultimate thing is you want movies to make people happy. And this made me laugh. Yeah, and this was a tonic. Yeah. This it was sounds a, a bit like, you know, the the airplane movies, like the original airplane movie was a rip off of real airplane disaster movies. And you're all you had to do to make it funny was just nudge it just a little bit. And this this is what this sounds like for a kind that's of a, the trick, though. You yeah. have to just nudge it a little bit. You can't go into the next one being all, oh, ho, ho, we're all ironic and stuff. Yes. then you're going to lose the, the unaware of what kind of movie we are making magic. Is there much, for a movie that's like slightly Bond and, and slightly Casablanca, are there any action sequences in it? Is there like, you know, is, is he kicking ass? No, a lot a lot less, well, until the end, until the finale, a lot less than you would be led to expect from the trailer. But sure, that's what trailers do. You know what I mean? Mm. So a lot of it's just drama, hammy lines, cliches, um, things that make no sense. <laughs> I just loved it. I loved it, I have to say. And I didn't expect to because I've been stung before. Mm. Um, remember when you all, you guys all watched the trailer for Wild Mountain Time and yes. you were all so excited and I was the idiot who had to actually go and watch it. <laughs> yeah, And was... uh, warned you that I am the person who sees them so you don't have to. Like, I'm recommending this one. I, wow. I think it's hard for something to... The, the, the funny thing is a, like a lot of reviewers are... I, I, I think... Um, I can't. I haven't come across any review yet that's been just outright. This is awful. Uh, they're like everyone's not. It's not even like they're trying to be uh, kind. It's like it's awful, but you know it's fun. Uh, um, so um, that's a, it's a weird thing. Do you think it'll actually do a bit of business now? I think you'll find it'll do. I think it'll do the Tommy Wiseau audience. I think yeah. the, you know Room, that great uh, bad film that has become an absolute cult classic, and even had a film made about it. Um, a couple of years ago, which yeah. is really funny if you haven't seen it, by the way. Uh, and yeah, I think this is if I was a programmer in a cinema, I would be putting this on at 11 o'clock. I'd be making sure the bar was open for a couple of hours yeah. beforehand. And I think that is, uh, you know, as I said, I watched this in a very quiet t- movie uh, theatre this morning and I can only imagine what a collective ripple of laughter going around at some of these uh, thing uh, at some of these uh, incidents incidences yeah. no. would create for an audience. I think no one wants to know difficult. is it as uh, is it as bad as Greece too? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Actually, there was a whole list um, uh, of bad films emerging from a review um, that Mark Kermode put up this morning, which is great. He, well, he's always great, but uh, he, he was putting up names of bad films. This is the worst film I've ever seen. And I saw, which created a brilliant uh, chain of replies of bad films ever. And I think the best for me is um, they stole Hitler's brain. I want to see that now, even yeah. though it's a terrible spoiler of a title, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs>
You'd hope there's yeah. some other plot development past that, yeah. Uh, Fanula, sure. I'm there for the podcast, by the way. Yeah. Esther, so many ideas. we can do a special on They Stole Hitler's Brain. Yeah. Someone has Absolutely. to do Grease 2 as well. I love Grease 2. There you go. I can't even remember Grease you see, 2. That's, a, new, that's a whole new thing, a I podcast I just remember then, that yeah. song, he's on the bike, he's like, who's that guy? That's Grease 2, isn't it? So good. Anyway. I don't know. Classic. Yeah. Sean's like, no idea. No idea. Like, that from my memory. It was uh, Sandy and Danny, though, was it? No, it was two okay. other okay. Two completely different actors. It was like... Two, you know, two yeah. 35-year-olds pretending they were in high school, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right, OK, well, Esther's going to appear on, on uh, Fanula's podcast. You have a podcast, Esther. No, I have one in my brain, but I've yeah. done absolute dibbly squid to uh, organise it or do anything right. about it. But okay, I do have one in my brain. Linda yeah. has a podcast as it's well. Like so it's like National like Podcast Day. <laughs> uh, um, what's the name of your podcast, Linda? My podcast is called, well, not mine, it's myself and my really good friend, Antonia Dominguez. Uh, why in the long and the short of it? Uh, because I am vertically challenged the four foot ten area and mm. she is around a foot taller than me. So that's one part of the name and the other part is because we can talk about a lot in a short space of time or we can get into detail and give you the long version of it. So it's for wine consumers trying to help them to debunk all the wine myths and uh, we've five episodes there so you can binge watch it like a, an episode, a whole series on Netflix um, and we are just really excited to get it launched and out there. This has been Esther, so there's time for you. We've had a year to ponder this and we tried to do videos that didn't really uh, work out too well. So we said we'd get behind the mic and see how right, it went. So that's we're delighted. It. Yeah, it's harder to imply tallness or shortness, you know, just 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 in a podcast. I really. Well, you see, you need unless to you have like she's echoing down at you, and you're going hello. Our, our artwork is uh, our silhouettes back to back. You see, yeah, so we're having okay. some wine, so it's a bit of crack, you know. Right, so yeah, uh, yeah. why well, uh, the long and the short of it, you can get it everywhere. Thanks. Uh, the uh, where can you get where can I buy muscat in Ireland? Somebody wants to know. Muscat, yeah. Um, so there is one uh, domain Delano Noe, and uh, that would be a widely available in independence um, for about fourteen fifteen euro uh, muscat surly. So again, a little bit of texture to that one. That would be the most popular one that'll be out there. Uh, Macamay wines import that. Uh, so again, Pickpool de Penne would be a similar style, uh, mm. but this particular one would be a little bit more complex. I'm still getting the length of that wine. Like that's still yeah, lemony yeah, to me and bursting yeah. lemon. So I'm really mm. liking that. Uh, just I forgot to say where you can get it. Uh, Independence, but you can pick it up. I picked up boat wines in Sweeney's D3. But again, there's a long list. Baggett Street, Black Rock Cellars, D6, the Corkscrew around the corner, uh, Jules de Van, 64 wines and uh, the wine pair as well. So Okay. Well, well done. Uh, in one uh, review for Blackboard, the reviewer compared Victor Blackley to Poochie the dog. <laughs> whenever, whenever Poochie's not on screen, all the other characters will be asking, where is he? Uh, and uh, apparently tomorrow, uh, September the 3rd, is World Cinema Day. So at a participating cinema, Michael Flatley's Blackbird will be only four euro per person, laughs and value. Uh, uh, says another text. So that's something to, uh, to keep in mind. Now, um... This is like, this is an example of just how insane social media. Leah Michelle had to then do an interview, this woman, to say, like, she's an actor. It's like inherent in the job. You have to be able to read stuff to, to kind of say, no, I'm not illiterate. OK, <laughs> look, that's not the only reason why she did yeah. the interview, I will say. Well, I know, she's, yeah. But she's about to debut in Funny Girl on Broadway, which is a role that she's been coveting for as long as anyone has been familiar with Leah Michelle. Um, but there has been, so she's been doing a lot of interviews, obviously, to promote that. And also, 
to, there's a bit of course correction for her. She's obviously gotten this role, but more recently she's kind of faced you know, allegations of onset bullying from people from her time on Glee. So her this casting has kind of been a bit controversial. She took over from Beanie Feldstein and there was a lot of drama around that. But anyway, course correction, as I said, so she was sitting down with uh, The New Yorker, I think, and they were talking about her and taking over this role, whatever. And there was this meme that's basically started and this rumour around Michelle, around the fact that she supposedly can't read, right? And like, it was a bit of fun. It's not, you know, poking anything at like illiteracy or anything like that. It was just this mad thing that started. Her former Glee star, the late Naya Rivera, had written in her memoir that Michelle refuses to refuse to improv on set. And these podcast hosts made a joke about how she must not be able to read. Like, that's why she doesn't improv, because she can't read the scripts, right? It literally came from there, demented. Yeah, I, th- I think innocent. I think all in good fun, right? And I think she could have embraced this with a nod and a wink, and it actually would have stood to her, given that she's already faced, like, quite serious allegations. Um, but anyway, she didn't. She's done this interview. She was asked about it in the interview, like, basically, can you read? And she had to come out and say... I was- <laughs> they were holding up flashcards and say, what does that say? <laughs> like an eye test. <laughs> but she went on to say... "I went, And I, it, it's this answer, I think, where she falls down on whatever would come out being, like, you know, exasperated, being like, yes, of course I can read. But she basically tried to blame it on misogyny, which... That's not what it was. But anyway, she said, I went to Glee every single day. I knew my lines every single day. And then there's a rumour online that I can't read or write. It's sad. It really is. I think often if I were a man, a lot of this wouldn't be the case. So there you go. Leah Michelle can read. Yeah. Allegedly. Okay. But it's only because she's a woman. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's weird. Now, scary Winnie the Pooh. Scary Winnie the Pooh. No, don't tell me. Yeah, I, 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 I can see it actually, weirdly enough. Yeah, I mean, the trailer, go, yeah, this is for Blood and Honey. So basically the whole thing is Winnie the Pooh, the story has like entered the public domain. So like other people can take the story now and and, do their own. I don't fully understand that, but some other people do. After um, the the copyright runs out. Yeah, Yeah. they can take the story and do a spin on it. So these people have taken a story in which it's like a slasher kind of horror. And we got our first full trailer this week for Blood and Honey. But it's essentially, okay, so Christopher Robin has outgrown his toys. He's left the 100 Acre Wood. You know, he's gone to be an adult, obviously. (laughs) And the toys are obviously depressed at this. Yeah. And in his absence, you know, they're growing resentful. They start feasting on the forest animals for sustenance while plotting to wreak, like, revenge on Christopher Robin whenever he comes back and the 100 Acre Wood. It's... The trailer is just so mad because it's these guys, you know, it's it just kind of seems like a home invasion movie as mm. opposed to anything else. You have these guys who are in, they're adult humans, but they're wearing like the Winnie the Pooh mask, the piglet mask. But like already Rolling Stone has called it like childhood ruining. Like it's so violent. It's so grim. Linda is cackling here. She cannot wait to see this. I I'd be terrified. Imagine watching something yeah, like that. that seems, would be scary. It seems oh genuinely God. quite scary. I'm very, I'm very intrigued, but it, it looks... Yeah, haunting. I'd rather haunting. Blackbird over that now, yeah, I think. Yeah, same. Let's yeah. all go to see Blackbird instead and not have nightmares. After Victor Blackley would kick their asses. <laughs> right, uh, you are listening to the Moncrief Show and News Talk. We do have to take a break. More movies and booze after this. Uh, right, uh, Linda, let's move on to our second wine. I had just had a sip of this. This is absolutely lovely. Yay, and yeah. make sure you have some of the beautiful charcuterie as well. So this is a grape called Mencia. M-E-N-C-I-A um, from a region in Spain called Berezzo, B-I-E or Z-O. Uh, lesser known um, but popping up now on uh, lots of wine lists around the place especially kind of wine bars Um, it doesn't need food but this is a young style so this is um, 
some of them when they're a little bit more aged are much more complex. So this is a Hoban meaning it's a youthful style. So it's it's meant to be drunk, young and enjoyed just on its own. And um, like the profile that you get from this is kind of violets and cherries and kind of tart fruit mm. uh, but a floral note as well which sounds a bit odd when you're talking about wine and flowers but it just works and it's really balanced. So it's not like anything else really except no, for great, maybe like Petit Verdot which you don't really see on its own would be the mm. closest thing. So for me it's it's not that high in alcohol it's only 30 well only 13 and a half uh, so <laughs> which is nothing of So course. this is a breakfast one <laughs> yeah. really Yeah like yeah. I mean, the water we had earlier on the pig pool was only 12 yeah. uh, so this is you know but for um, a Spanish it's, it's known as kind of the green Spain so it's uh less in your face fruit. It's kind of more restrained and this is a kind of stepping stone for the Mencia grape. Um, It's made by a fabulous winemaker who is like wow in Spain. Uh, Raul Peretz P-E-R-E-Z I spell everything because I can't pronounce things properly. Uh, But uh, he is like this iconic uh, winemaker and he's just amazing. So this is like one of his one of his little babies and um, I just think it's a a nice entry level grape style into Menzia. You're not going to get this in the supermarkets. You will get it in the independents and this is kind of the starting point for it. There are lots of other ways that you can explore this grape but you are talking that you definitely need food. You know, it's pleasant on its own but if you eat it that's why I purpose he brought in that chicken. Yeah, yeah, it's just I, you know, don't want to inflict the sound of me chewing on the listeners. That's uh, less than pleasurable for it's, people. It's not filtered or fine, so it's as organic and natural as you kind of, mm. you know, for this kind of, um, I suppose, level. It's it's really authentic and kind of as as oh, pure as it can be. I really think this is 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 cracking little wine, um, for somebody who's even experimenting with different type of grapes. This is Mencia would be definitely one to to try. Yeah, and, and uh, it is. Yeah, and it's actually so refreshing when you when, when you taste a red wine, and it's distinctly different. Mm, yeah, uh, uh, to other red wines, like this has it like a freshness and is lively compared to like a big full. Yeah, rich, you know, yeah. Rioja or Bordeaux or something or even heavier. So this is why I have it last of the summer wine. Mm. But it's a red wine style that even you know people sampling into reds could try. Um, but it, it, it's lovely. But it does need to be open a little bit of time as well. And I definitely would say try it with a bit of hard cheese or some charcuterie and you're on to a winner. So again, it is about the 16 euro, but I think it delivers a lot more in terms mm. of um, the, the flavour profile and that. Um, and uh, hand-picked stainless steel, natural yeast, uh, three months in old oak barrels. And as I said, it is no filtered refining, so it's as natural as it can be and it's suitable for vegans as well. Yeah. So right. don't have your charcuterie with that. Okay, obviously if you're a vegan. Uh, well, yeah. what's normally in a wine that a vegan can't You see, have? this is you see people listen to the podcast and you'll find all about this, <laughs> yeah. but um in a nutshell basically you can use egg whites to yeah. fine and clarify mm. wine um or eyes and glass which is the the guts of a fish to to clarify okay. them. Yeah. So uh, they're, they're not mm. like in tiny minuscule quantities um, yeah, but, but it's there yeah. uh, it's there so this is a, a vegan or, or okay and so what are they did they find it at all uh, bentonite sorry a clay uh, called bentonite so it does okay. the same job so you've seen that more and more on, on labels where it'll it'll say it's a vegan right. uh, friendly okay. wine yeah so mud basically they yep. poured it through a yep. lot of mud it, it, all the little yeah. particles attract to the mud and takes anything okay. all the bits out well, there that's kind of clear uh, Kevin says Greece too has Michelle Pfeiffer in it, uh, yeah. and she was the only good thing. And that's true, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer in the old leather trousers. Uh, that's uh, that takes it out of the terrible movie category for of me. Of course, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I can't remember the male lead. It's breaking my head. How could she's so good in this? Um, <laughs> because 
they were never heard from again, yeah, whoever the male lead was, I'm guessing. True. Uh, Peter says uh, Blackboard was brilliant. Ireland's answer to Batman. He turns in a performance only second to Keiko in Free Willy, deserves an Oscar nod or the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> so uh, it, it's all there uh, to play for, uh, for Michael Flatley. Uh, right, so um, Ali McBeal is coming back? Yes, but not as we know it. Um, Calista Flockhart has not signed on yet. Um, it's basically, it's coming from ABC still in the married States. to your man? Harrison Ford, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, so. okay. yeah. Um, ABC are reviving it um, it's going to be a new focus on it's actually going to be the daughter of Ali's old roommate Renee Red, uh, Reddick for anyone who or Reddick even who joins the same Boston law firm um, she as I said Calista Flockhart has not signed on she's waiting to see a script before agreeing to it but the show's original creator David E. Kelly has given his blessing the new writer is Karen Gist who has worked on Grey's Anatomy um, I kind of didn't realise well like I did and I didn't but it's only when you see it down on paper like how successful it actually was you know won an Emmy for its standing comedy series in 1999 launched the careers of loads of people Lucy Liu Jane Krakowski revived Robert Downey Jr.'s career so will be interesting to see I'm kind of we have the reboot conversation so often. Um, this I'm like less mad about, I suppose, because it did end in 2002. Like, I feel like that's enough time to kind of bring something back, perhaps. Like, this Maybe it is, but it was very much of its time then. Now, yeah. it was huge for a period, absolutely. Yeah. But- I think they're trying to focus this on that it's a bit more diverse. So I think the main character is going to be a black woman and follow her journey and everything like that. It, I don't know. Like, we'll see. I'm sure fans will watch anyway out of intrigue. I'm sure they'll get Cliss Flock- Flocker to do something, even if it's just a cameo. I'm sure they'll cough up the few bobs that she probably wants and needs. Has so. she been in anything since Ali Bigby? Mm, I don't think so. Not, no, I'm open to correction on that, but definitely nothing kind of major since. Yeah. I wonder, did she just give up or she just couldn't get anything because she was just Ali McBeal? That's who she was, exactly. Yeah, yeah. potentially. David E. Kelly, the producer or director, he's married to Michelle Pfeiffer. (gasps) Is he? Yeah. Oh, there there you go. I know. Everything, there was six degrees of separation from everything. This we are it. all It's like West Cork Everyone's related to everybody else <laughs> Truly <laughs> That's Truly. what it is that fact now yeah. Before I put it out there <laughs> I know I'm, It's absolute fact yeah. uh, we'll, go, we'll, we'll go to the high court With that one uh, Right We'll move on to our second movie Of the day Is It is I Came By Here's a clip I broke into that judge's house You know the guy You flagged months ago yeah. And when I got in there I, I saw I don't, want, I, don't I, don't, I don't know what I, I saw First you know, Will you just listen to me For a minute no need to go mental. We said if I wanted to keep writing, I could. Yes, yes, and I told you to keep me out of it. Look, whatever mess you got yourself in, yeah, it's not my problem. You're on your own. There you go. Uh, that's a I Came By. Uh, apparently, Callista Flockhart was in The Penguins of Madagascar on TV, FaceTiming with Mummy on TV, Feud on TV and Supergirl on TV. All performances we warmly remember. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, so, right, Black, uh, uh, Blackbird Esther. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I, I Came By. Sorry, <laughs> I just wanted to do it again. What, what's wrong with me? Sorry, I came by. Sorry, we I just was, take an hour of drive time and do like a whole thesis and analysis and breakdown. And anyway, yeah, I came by. So this is a British thriller, as I said, by um, uh, uh, you know the first on a new slate from Netflix of this part of the world. And it's a British Iranian filmmaker by the name of Babak um, Anvari, who's known for kind of uh, real indie cinema, but also kind of having political statements in his work. And he's kind of stepping up here with a cast. 
big name cast, which includes um, Hugh Bonneville, George McKay, who was so good in um, 1917. I'd watch that man in anything. And Kelly MacDonald, um, who is just knocking it out of the park at everything she does at the moment. And it's based around um, Hugh Bonneville plays Sir Hector Blake. It's powerful conceited member of the judiciary he's now known for his work with refugees and he's a former high court judge but he really has a sense of entitlement uh, and a sense of expectation that comes with that entitlement so there's a young rebel activist by the name of Toby who's played by George McKay uh, who suspects he's corrupt and he has a thing going where he is a graffiti artist and he likes to, he kind of sees himself I suppose as this modern day cutting edge Robin Hood um, even though he you know, lives with his mother um, and, and he's kind of trying to break, he breaks into the houses of these people and graf- p- 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 writes graffiti all over their house saying, I know what you're at, basically. Uh, and that, you know, he knows he knows what they're up to. And he tries to expose them or give them the, the heebie-jeebies in that way. He used to have a partner in crime who no longer wants to do it. He wants to be a grown-up. Uh, so Toby goes it alone one day on his visit to Blake's home. And because he's never seen a horror film in his adult life, Sean, he goes down to the basement of Blake's home where he makes uh, an absolutely shocking discovery. I'll say no more than that. Uh, But suffice to say, you'll know from the trailers or the posters that um, Hugh Bonneville is going full nasty here. He's playing a nasty piece of work. And I suppose what it... It, it, this works to a degree. I think um, it wants to have something really, really serious to say politically. And I can understand a British filmmaker living in Britain at the moment wanting to say some, do a horror that has something to say about corruption, for sure. But I think ultimately this works really well as a pot boiler. Um, it throws twists at its audience in mostly fun ways. Um, I don't think the film's political messages last land as well, but I did like... It gave me the jitters a few times, this, actually. Okay. There were some, there's some proper tense um, filmmaking. And it is, yeah, it's a good cast here making the most of an interesting um, concept. So it's really, it's a horror psychological thriller. Leave the politics aside. It doesn't really work. Uh-huh. It's there on your Netflix tonight. And is you one of them scary? Today. Does he do good scary? I think he does. And I've seen some criticism of him in other reviews. But I actually think he's using that slightly... I think he's gone a little bit meta in a kind of a fun and interesting way in that he's using that kind of slightly hamminess that the Downton fans are going to kill me. You know, there's a slight hamminess to yes, some yeah, of the Downton yeah. delivery. And um, I think he's brought that in here to try and deceive people as to what he really is. And I think that's actually kind of fun. I like that. Right. OK, uh, that's not bad then. Uh, and, uh, Susan Inkley Kenny and a rake of other people actually uh, texted in to say that uh, the, the male lead in Greece 2 was Maxwell Caulfield. Ah, of course. Uh, of course. Yes. Maxwell Caulfield. Maxwell, I know uh, he went, Obviously, that was the high point of his career. Went on to do a lot of TV. Uh, most of it with <laughs> Calista Flockhart, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, as it turned out. Uh, Esther, thanks a million. Uh, that was uh, Esther McCarthy there, film reviewer. Uh, I was joined in the studio by uh, the twin podcasters, Fernanda uh, <laughs> Jones and uh, Linda Coogan. That's our lot uh, uh, for today. Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief. On News Talk.